0: So, just reminded me of that. Uh, We are week three into an honest, um, reflective uh, journey as a church family uh, on lament. And so we're going to be talking about that again today, specifically uh, today. um, We're going to be talking about what it means to uh, walk well, helpful in helpful ways with people who are struggling, hurting Uh, grieving. Um, I will not be uh, preaching, uh, teaching uh, as much as I just want to have a conversation uh, with you about our stories, our journeys, uh, the lament that we all carry in one way or another in our lives. Uh, Over the last couple of weeks, it has been such a blessing for me to receive emails, text messages, conversations uh, with some of you who are walking In Fresh Lament, Um, you have spoken about um, just this series in particular and how it's given you permission uh, to grieve in ways that you haven't grieved before. And uh, that is an invitation into a sacred space, a sacred sorrow. And I just want to say thank you to those of you who have invited me into that space uh, with you. It is a raw, sacred space. And one of the things that Lindsay and I were feeling uh, last Sunday And then um, some stirring uh, in our uh, prayer ministry team was to provide space uh, for uh, people to share uh, and to care and to carry a lament with each other. And so we're gonna provide a space next Sunday night. I wanna just pull this up. Uh, We're just gonna have a lament service uh, next Sunday night uh, here in the sanctuary at seven o'clock. We will not be able to provide childcare for that, but I would love to invite you uh, to come and to uh, maybe even consider sharing uh, some of the things that you're holding uh, and you're carrying. It'll be a place to remember, to honor, to care, to share. Uh, So we're going to have that next Sunday. If you're not in a place of lament, I would still invite you to come uh, because we get to hold all of this together with one another because we're A family, and so I just wanted to make you aware of that special service. We haven't done this before, but we just felt stirred to provide that space. So we'd invite you to come to that um, next week. Um, I've in the series we've defined uh, lament. Uh, Eva Lee's mentioned this uh, as grieving with with hope. The reality of life is that uh, we, as believers, followers of God, um, we struggle, we grieve, we carry sorrow, we carry. Uh, Hardship. We must learn how to endure, but to endure with the hope of the gospel alive and well in the midst of our journeys. Um, We have learned that lament is grace. Uh, To lament is grace. It is an opportunity for us to uh, honor our pain and to deepen our relationship with God and to deepen our relationship with one another as we share our stories. We have learned that lament is biblical. Uh, God desires for us to pour out our hearts, our pain, our struggle to him. Uh, We have learned that, and we're learning today that lament is also practice. Uh, It's something that we need to learn uh, how to do. It is unfamiliar terrain for some of us, uh, but we are, we are wanting this series to uh, help us along in our own individual lives, certainly, uh, but also how to walk well with those who are lamenting. I mentioned this verse last week from uh, the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, uh, Romans 12, 15. Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, hallelujah, but also mourn with those who mourn. Uh, and in the language of... The Greek language, this is an exhortation to the church. This is a command to the church to rejoice with one another and to mourn with each other. Uh, but how do we do that well? How do we, how do we mourn with one another well? Um, this is what I want to talk with you guys about uh, today. Uh, I believe and have experienced and know that Christians truly mean well and care and are trying to help when someone is thrust into a fresh lament in their lives. I believe that, honor that, know that. Hearts are truly stirred, sadness is uh, felt, the care is real. Uh, I'll also tell you from experience, um, the negative impact from good intentions of people who are trying to care, but the care doesn't come across as very caring. Um, I would even say, in just a conversation and being honest, uh, unhelpful at best, and sometimes uh, frustrating at worst. Um, When someone is thrust into a real fresh heartache in their life and their journey, um, avoid saying, well, God is in control. Or avoid saying, you just got to trust God, because I will tell you uh, that that feels really religious in the moment, and it misses a person's sadness, uh, and it comes across as you just got to buck up. Uh, you may have heard the phrase before, um, kids, kids say the darndest things, right? You've heard that phrase before? Kids say the darndest things. Uh, Well, so do Christians. (laughs) So let's just be honest. All right, let's have a family conversation together about this. Um, I want to share with you, to begin with, just a few um, caring things, um, but unhelpful things that I have heard said to me or someone has shared with me that has been shared with them Uh, in their own sorrow. Um, And I'll tell you, you've probably, you may have said some of these things before. And I don't share these things to shame anyone, truly. Uh, I share these things to equip you on how to care well. And so I hope that you understand and can trust my heart in this, uh, is to be helpful and to equip us how to mourn well with those who mourn. Do you trust me in that? I really hope you do. Um, Five things. Time heals all wounds. I've heard that. Or you'll be okay with time. Time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You'll be okay with time. No, I won't. I'm deeply and profoundly sad. So please stop trying to shut down my sadness and fix me. Time lessens the intensity of the pain. It does. But time cannot heal. Jesus alone is the liberator and the healer. I'd rather, I would rather you just say, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. I'd rather you just say that. Second, well, all things are God's will. No, it isn't. God's sovereign authority and God's sovereign will holds everything. But when you say to someone that has been thrust into grief, All things are God's will. You're telling me this tragedy? God did this to me? Abuse isn't God's will. Disease and death isn't God's will. Evil isn't God's will. Yes, God is sovereign over all things. Hallelujah. But the fall of mankind is what has brought into God's creation sin, disease, evil, death Here's God's will. God's will is Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1. God's will is Jesus. God's will is to redeem and restore all things in Jesus. God's will is all things will ultimately be made well. It is well with my soul because of Jesus. Amen. Third third one. Everything happens for a reason. You'll be able to have more kids. This is a tough one. You're saying that I only need to think about the future? Please, please stop trying to make me feel better and make this intense pain go away. Please stop trying to make me feel better so that you will feel better. Fourth, I have a friend that knows what you're going through. Or I know how you feel. Pain is so personal. And we do a disservice in honor of people's pain when we compare our pain to someone else's. Or we try to relate to someone's pain because we know some story somewhere about someone that relates somehow to what you're going through. Pain is personal, our stories are personal. Any kind of trying to relate when you cannot relate is unhelpful. I'd rather you just say, I have no idea what you're going through, but I'm here and I love you. (coughs) If you need anything, just let me know. I'm just gonna let you know. They're not going to let you know. I'm not going to let you know. Um, I'm trying to get to the next breath. I'm trying to get to the next hour. I'm trying to get to the next day. I'm trying to save my marriage. I'm not going to let you know. They're not going to let you know. Um, I have no idea what I need. I have no idea. And even if I did know what I needed, I'm not gonna let you know because I got no strength for that. And so what I'd say to you is just do, the, just do stuff. Just err on the side of asking, err on the side of like showing up, like write the card, provide the meal, mow the yard, clean the house. Just do the stuff. Sit in silence with them. Lindsay and I were having a conversation about this this week, and she said these words I'll quote her "Uh, Timing is really important with walking in grief with people. So, in the early part of loss, like the first few months, don't offer advice. Just say how sorry you are. Validate their sadness. Promise to be on the journey with them if you mean it. If you don't mean it, please don't say it. Promise to be on the journey with them if you mean it, and just let them be raw. And after several months or years, when some of the fog settles, you can start to offer some words of comfort, some scripture, or stories of overcoming despair when they are ready. And it takes discernment to know when they are ready. We're so quick sometimes to offer unsolicited advice in defense of God. God is the Lion of Judah. He does not need you to defend him. Um, when our... Daughter, Summer, died. It'll be 20 years ago next month. We received an onslaught of care. An onslaught of visitors, right? And um, at a moment, I don't know, within the next days or whatever, I was on Young Life staff at the time, and uh, one of my best friends, Tim, was on staff with us. And I told Tim, if somebody else comes in here and quotes Bible verses at me, I'm I'm literally gonna lose it. Please make them stop. And he sat on our front porch for days. Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. And he told people, thank you for coming. Thank you for caring. Please don't go inside and quote Bible verses. Which is strange for probably for people to hear because I was a professional Christian. (laughs) Right? I worked for the Christian Ministry of Young Life. I was pouring my life into teenagers. I desperately wanted them to know the gospel. And I was trying to figure out if I still believed the gospel. And I couldn't handle pithy Bible verses quoted at me. And if that feels intense, it was intense. Specifically, I said, do not let people come in here with Romans 8.28. I was angry. I wasn't ready to hear it. I didn't want to feel better. Today, standing here before you, I will tell you that Romans 8.28 is one of the most hope-filled, empowering the sovereignty of God place for me to land rooted in hope of all the scripture. Today, God works all things, God works all things together for good. It doesn't mean that all things are good, because all things are not good. But God works somehow in the the mystery of his goodness and his mercy. He works all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. But it took me a long time to get there again. Um, Pain and grief and heartache. um, It is untamed. It is not formulaic. It is a long journey. Now, In the beginning of Fresh Lament, do people need support? Yes. Do they need your help, your encouragement? Yes. Ultimately, more than anything else, they need to know that God is able to redeem and restore it and use it for good, but they need to learn and experience this in their own time when they are ready. I want to tell you about my friend Al. Um... We, we receive so many cards and I'm so thankful for every one of them. We still have them 20 years later. We still have them. I can tell you now I remember one card and I didn't have to go find it to tell you what it said because I still remember exactly what it said 20 years later. It was from Al. I didn't know him at the time. I'd never met Al. Al had a relationship with my pastor and so he knew of our story but he didn't know us and he sent a note and it simply said this. I'm sure you need to sling some stuff around but he didn't say stuff. (laughs) You can sling it around with me and I don't care if some of it gets on me. Al became my grief counselor. That's how my pastor knew him, because he was my pastor's counselor. Al became my personal grief counselor. And I met with him for two years almost every week. And I slung, I slung some stuff around in that office. And I will tell you, it was a judgment free zone. And he was not trying to fix me. And he was not trying to make me feel better. But over time, he offered a patient, gentle, leading back to the hope that we have in Jesus. Al, and Lindsay literally saved my life. And they both got a lot of slinging stuff on them. If you're gonna mourn with those who mourn, create a judgment-free zone. And don't be afraid if some stuff gets slung around on you. And if you can't enter in judgment-free, and you can't get some stuff slung around on you, don't enter in. Because it won't be helpful. Are you aware of the story of Job? You remember when you were in like in middle school or something, elementary school, and somebody called Job Job, and it was always so funny, you know? Just a little comedic relief here for myself to catch my breath. I don't know why that was always funny, but it was always funny. Oh, it's not Job, it's Job. It's spelled just like Job. So it's an honest mistake. So let's just give that to each other. (laughs) It's a story of his suffering. The suffering that was allowed into his life by the sovereignty of God. And it's... Kind of known for Job's infamous friends and what they did. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, I encourage you to go read it. It's a long narrative, 42-something chapters. Uh, but Job had these three buddies, and their names are interesting names, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Um, Job is an interesting name as well, so that's just four interesting names, right? But his three friends have historically been known for offering uh, lengthy speeches to their friend Job in his great suffering. Now, what Job needed was for friends just to sit with him in his pain and in his grief. And what he got was them offering fix-it answers. And what he got was them offering terrible, wrong theology about suffering. Their overarching belief was that Job was suffering because he had done something wrong against God. And they repeatedly exhorted Job to repent of his wrongdoing so that God would bless him again. And if you don't know the story, they made things a lot worse. Um, At one point, Job, weary of their unhelpful rhetoric and bad theology, Said, You are miserable comforters, all of you. God clearly condemns their advice and their bad theology about suffering. In Job chapter 42, I am angry with you, Eliphaz, and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me. The truth is that the trials and the sufferings that Job endured were not related to his behavior at all. But that God, in the mystery of his sovereign will, allowed and used the sufferings as part of his sovereign plan in Job's life. And when you read the story, you will find that Job accepts the mystery of suffering. He accepts both the good and the hard in life. Kind of the famous verse from Job chapter one, verse 21, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm holding both at the same time. Lamentations chapter three Verses 31 to 33, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. These are challenging verses to consider. Would you agree? They're challenging. My my summary of these two verses would be this this is not scripture this is my summary statement there is no meaningless suffering in our lives god does not waste our sorrow there is purpose in our pain and it is a mystery truly God works, I believe, and have experience and give a testimony to you, all things together for good for those who love God. There is pain, yes, and yet there is purpose to our pain. Lament holds pain and promise and purpose all together. Amazingly, history's most evil act brought about the greatest good, of all time. History's most evil act, the Son of God literally dying on a Roman cross, gave birth to the greatest good of all time resurrection and life. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, will live forever. But it's a mystery. Our stories, our suffering, holding pain, purpose, promise altogether. We're not going to get all of our answers. If you know the story of Job, you know that, fo- that following Job's time of suffering, um, God blessed Job with double blessing, but he didn't get all of his questions answered. But here's how the story ends, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job And when he had prayed for his friends which i just find remarkable like you miserable comforters but you're still my friends and i'm praying for you and the lord gave job twice as much as he had before i am changed i am changed i am not who i once was my faith is deeper Uh, my faith has been tested by fire it is stronger it is sure. Is what happened in our life good? Mercy, no. But I believe that God has used it for his good. I believe that he's using it now, here, with you. So, how do we walk well? With people who are in sorrow, with people who are in lament, um, five five lessons for us from the life of Job and his story with his three uh, buddies. Because um, the reality is, they didn't actually do everything wrong. They got it right initially. And then they tried to rush it through and fix it and offer all kinds of bad theology to make him feel better. But they did some things right initially. So I want to honor that uh, as well And thinking, how do, we, how do we walk well with each other? First thing, show up and keep showing up. Show up and keep showing up. They came to Job, they left what they were doing, they left whatever was happening in their lives, they showed up where Job was, they were with him. That's good. They validated, they empathized with Job. Job 2.12, they began to weep aloud, they tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads. They entered into grief and mourning with their friend. They validated, they empathized. They began to spend time. Job 2.13 says they were with Job for seven days before they started offering all of their advice and their bad theology about suffering. So they sat with their friend in silence and they were with him in silence. It just didn't last. They took it on themselves to rush rush him through his process. And so I I think we can look at these examples and we can look at these as positive examples of going to a friend and mourning with people and spending time together. And you don't need words to say. That's why I was trying to equip you in the beginning, like, just say, I'm sorry. Just literally say, I don't know what to say. Just say, I have no idea what you're going through. I love you and I'm here. And just be with your loved one, your presence is saying a lot, trust me. But we also need to gain wisdom from what Job's friends did wrong so that we can avoid these pitfalls. Um, Suffering is a mystery and we must embrace the mystery of suffering. Don't assume that pain and struggle And suffering that someone you know is going through is a sign of God's judgment on them for wrongdoing. Jesus teaches uh, the disciples the same important lesson in John chapter nine. You don't need to turn there, but let me read the first three verses of John chapter nine. And as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Who does that sound like? Sounds like Job's three friends, thinking like, someone, somewhere did something wrong and God smited this son with blindness. That's the theology, right? Do You guys understand what I'm saying? That's the question that the disciples were making. And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. It's not about behavior. And Jesus said, But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And he spits on the ground, and he made some mud with saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he was healed. That's a mystery. That's a real mystery. Suffering is a mystery. Job's questions never fully got answered, uh, nor mine. But ultimately, our lament got us to the place to be able to say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Fifthly, and you heard this in Lindsay's Statement: Go on the long journey. Do not assume that seven days is enough. Do not assume that seven weeks is enough. Do not assume that seven months is enough. Do not assume that seven years is enough. Do not assume that 20 years is enough time. It's a life journey. Grief is untamed and it takes time. And time cannot heal And you cannot heal. Jesus is the healer. I will tell you, uh, 20 years into our journey, into our story, um, there's a few people that know our story and they check in. And I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago. December 20th was summer's 20th birthday Um, and I got this text from my pastor. That's all it said. He didn't send me a Bible verse. He didn't offer some theology about suffering. He just said, I am with you still all these years later, and I will tell you it meant a whole lot to me. So if you're going to go on the long journey with people, set reminders. I mean, you've got these fancy phones now, like just set a reminder, check in with people. The days go to months, and the months go to years, and the years go on and on and on, and the care gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But the, those that go on the long journey, they send texts like this, my pastor Jeff. Um, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be in my own process with you here on this platform. I I needed this space. Um, I needed to invite you into where I am. Thank you. Um, I receive your care. I receive your care. Thank you. And I want to offer care to you. A long journey. A long journey. I'm gonna close with a couple of verses and I want us to, worship team, you guys can come back up. Um, and I want to do this kind of in a more liturgical way um, that we would just read these verses aloud together. Um, and that instead of me reading them to you, that you would read them to me, I read them to you, you read them to the person next to you, in front of you, behind you, that we're locking into the sovereignty of God's goodness and mercy no matter where we are. I would invite you to stand together um, as we do this. And that the truths of these, Two verses would root you and ground you in hope and joy and the love of God in a fresh way. Now, here as we read these uh, together, um, from 1 Peter 5:10, read with me: "The God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while." will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. From 1 Corinthians 4:17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Amen. Amen.